Hey guys, welcome to the Road to Madness with Matt and Min. I'm Min Dong. I'm Matt Giglio. It is currently day 20 without March Madness. I hope you guys are uh, taking care right now. How's yeah. your quarantine been? Um, I'm, I'm honestly sick of it. I just want to go back to watching some sports and go on places. Yeah, I never thought I'd say this. I miss school. Yeah, as sad as it is, I do miss school. Let's start out with some breaking news. A top 10 recruit of in 2020 class, Josh Christopher has added USC to his list. His final six now, Missouri, UCLA, USC, Arizona State, Kentucky, and Michigan. Where do you think he'll go? Will he be staying home or going somewhere else? Um, I honestly think he'll be staying home. I mean, adding USC to the list probably means he's – probably going to stay home in my opinion I, I still see Arizona State as an option and to me I think he's going to go to the Pac-12 whether that be UCLA USC or Arizona State I think it will be between UCLA and USC and in my opinion I think both those teams are better than Arizona State but I can still see him going to either place honestly what about you I think he's still going to go to Arizona State play with his brother yeah. Yeah, that's about it. You don't think he'll stay home? Uh, yeah, Arizona State is his home. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I meant, like, I meant staying where he, like, goes to high school because he goes to Mayfair, which is in uh, Los Angeles or around the area. Oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think he would play with his brother. He'd want to play with his brother. Yeah? Yeah. All right. All right, moving on. Uh, we, have, we have more breaking news, actually. Uh, Marcus Garrett – from Kansas has won Defensive Player of the Year over Trey Jones, which we were very surprised about. Uh, do you think this was the right decision? Um, I thought Mark Vito of Baylor should have won. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, I think he's he's probably the most versatile defender. He could guard one through five. He's like a center, but with a guard's body. I mean, no, a guard with the center's body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, he's quick and – He's just big. He's big enough to guard a center, but he's small enough to guard a guard. He he could guard anyone. Yeah, I mean, was it was he a finalist? Yes, he was a finalist. Uh, I thought I honestly thought it was gonna be Trey Jones after after like the season he had and like carrying Duke's defensive team. And I mean, he had one point eight steals a game, but so did Garrett. So um, I think it honestly could have been either way. But. Um, when you're the best yeah. defender on the number one team, you're probably going to get defensive player of the year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. All right. And the final part of our breaking news is um, Columbia grad uh, transfer Patrick Tape has decommitted from Duke after committing there a couple days ago. His final four now is Duke, Syracuse, Ohio State, and USC. Where do you think he's going to go? Um, I think it's a toss-up between Ohio State and USC. They've both had big men declaring for the draft. Caleb Wesson from Ohio State, obviously, and uh, Onyika Okongwu from USC. I think he's going to fill in one of those roles if they actually do leave for the draft and hire an agent. And maybe, uh, and maybe for Duke, maybe Vernon Carey's coming back. I think, he's, I think he is coming back. Like I said last episode, I, there is a slight possibility, but I, I think he's actually going to come back. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
For me, I honestly think that he's going to go to Syracuse, believe it or not, because I know I know Caleb Wesson's leaving, and so is Onika Ogonku, but um, Evan Mobley is coming in to USD, and Seth Towns just transferred to Ohio State, and I don't know if he's going to play center there, but there is a chance he will, and I mean, Syracuse, they like they have a lot of doors opening in their team because like, they didn't have that good of a season last year. And um, I honestly think Patrick Tate will go there. And I don't know, who knows, maybe he'll uh, have fun with the 2-3 defense. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, moving on to coaching hires. Uh, would you like to say the first one? Uh, Stan Johnson, former Marquette assistant coach, recently got hired by Lyola Mer- uh, Marymount. He's a terrific recruiter, has both West Coast and international ties. Will LMU have a chance of dethroning Gonzaga in the future? Uh, I don't know about the future. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, not like right now, obviously, because like Gonzaga is still like one of the best teams in the nation, but – I mean, if Stan Johnson can steal recruits from Gonzaga, then I think they will have a chance. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. What do you think? Um, yeah, Stan Johnson recruited both the Hauser twins and Marcus Howard to Marquette. I think he'll do the same thing with some under-the-radar guys at Loyola Marymount. I think they will have um, they will be competitive in the WCC, but I don't, I don't think anyone's dethroning Gonzaga in the next five to ten years. Do you think do you think they'll be like the second best team, or do you think they'll be like behind St. Mary's and other teams like that? They'll definitely be top three in the near future. But I think this year, next year, it's a rebuilding year for them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next guy, Billy Jalipsy from Tarleton State. They're transitioning to D one and joining the WAC. Uh, Galipsy was the former Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Texas Tech coach. Uh, assistant coach or head coach? Uh, head coach. Head coach? Uh, all right. I did not know that. Um, very controversial hiring because of his history with mistreating players, and he, he's been uh, charged with DUIs. Uh, what is your opinion on this hiring? Um, this is a very interesting hiring. Uh, Tarleton State's moving to D1 joined the WAC. This is like the Grand Canyon situation, kind of, when they're both, they're both hiring like some big-name coaches, some big-name people on the market. Billy Gillespie, he does not have a good history. Tarleton State definitely knows who they're getting and what they're getting in Billy Gillespie. But he turned around Texas A&M, maybe not the best way to turn it around, but he definitely did turn it around. And maybe he'll make Tarleton State competitive. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd never really heard of Tarleton State until he went there, and I mean, I have no idea where they're out of. Yeah, I mean, do, you, do you have any they're idea? They're out of Texas, but I don't know where in Texas. Yeah, I'm- yeah, yeah, I I didn't even know that thing existed. <laughs> but hey, you never know; they might do some good things in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, next guy, Andy Kennedy. UAB, who last coached at Old Miss, uh, back to his alma mater. Do you think it'll lead UAB back to the glory days? Yeah, I think this is a great hire. He's going back to his alma mater, of course. Who, who, who doesn't like to go back to their alma mater? 
Yeah, I think he will lead UAB back to the glory days in the Conference USA. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like going back to his alma uh, mater, um, I mean, yeah, I remember I remember UAB had an insane upset. It was – I don't know how long ago yeah, it was. Yeah, they were a 13 seed. I, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, I remember, I remember that vividly. And yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen UAB that much since. I mean – Marshall's kind of taken over the Conference USA and uh and and Western yeah. Kentucky. Yeah, true true true. And um yeah, I mean, hopefully we can see the Blazers back in the uh, mm-hmm. March Madness tournament. Um uh next up, uh Brian Berg, Georgia Southern, former Texas Tech coach. Uh he's he's one of the best and most hardworking recruiting and assistant coaches in the country. Do you think Georgia uh, Southern will continue a 20-plus one season next year? Yeah, I think this is a terrific hiring, probably the best hiring of all the coaching hires so far. Brandberg has been with Chris Beard's uh, – has been part of Chris Beard's staff for a long time, ever since Chris Beard has been coaching, and he deserves a chance. He's, he's kind of the mastermind behind Chris Beard's success, and I think Georgia Southern will, will continue with success. Do you think he'll steal his defensive mindset, or do you think he's going to change? I think he'll steal his defensive mindset. Yeah. I mean, Texas Tech has one of the best defenses in the nation. Um, and Virginia, I'd say, are probably the best two in the country. And, yeah, I mean, Georgia Southern, they're, like, mid-major. But, I mean, they've been producing wins, and I think Berg will help them mm-hmm. maintain this streak alive. All right. Um, now we're going to switch not to hiring coaches, but some underrated and underappreciated coaches in our opinions. Would you like to start with the first one? Uh, yes. Ed Cooley, Parvins, uh, finished 12-6 and six in Big East play, ended the year on a six-game win streak. And th- they were going to have a good seed in the tourneys, especially with the bad losses they've had. They had four quad four losses, which is like – Terrible, especially, like, you shouldn't make the tournament after you lose four quad four losses. Yeah. I don't think – I think that was the first to make it to the tournament with four quad four losses. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, Providence kind of – they kind of turned up at the end of the season. I mean, they beat Nova at home uh, – sorry, Nova on the road, Butler on the road, and they also beat Seton Hall and Creighton at home. And I think they're probably going to be a seven seed in the tourney. But even with those quad four losses, that's still kind of surprising. But that just shows how crazy the tournament was going to be this year. And I, I miss it. I miss I watching it. I don't really think Ed Cooley is an underrated coach. I think everyone knows he could coach. That's why he's turned out multiple high major jobs recently, Michigan this past year. But I don't know. True. I, I just think he's underappreciated because, like, when you think of Big East, you don't think of, like, Providence. You think of Villanova, Seton Hall, yeah, right. and That's Creighton, true. and, like, even Xavier. And, I mean, I think Providence just need Providence needs some more love. And Cooley's, like, the guy. Like, he's he makes Providence the team they are. And, he's loyal. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't think they have enough love from the Big East. Should have gone to Michigan, though. Do you think so? Yeah, more money. True, but I guess he wasn't about the money. He's just about 
He's about building a legacy there, I guess. Yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, next guy, John Becker from Vermont. Uh, he's 219 and 91 in those last nine years, or only nine years of Vermont. That's a 71% win rate. And in conference play, he is 84% win rate, which is pretty impressive. Um, they've had four straight regular season titles, and Anthony Lamb's kind of the guy to thank for that. In my in my opinion, um, and they've had uh, some close games in the tournament as underdogs. Uh, they've never been over a 12 seed, I want to say, and they lost last year to Florida State, and the year before that they lost to Purdue, and those were both very close games. Um, what do you think of what do you think of them? Uh, Vermont has been a powerhouse the past four or five years under John Beaker. I'm 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 really hoping he wins the tournament game this year, but got canceled. Um, he deserves a high major job, especially in the ACC. Maybe BC. Nah, maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you that think? Still, still blows my mind why they re-signed him. Uh huh. I know we talk about it a lot, but we're just we're just it's a hometown team. What else? Starstruck. We're starstruck by our hometown team. Very disappointing. All right. Next up, Mark Cronin, UCLA. You want to talk about his accolades? Um, yeah. He led the Bruins to a dramatic turnaround, just like Providence. Um, four, uh, maybe four, I think four, quad four losses. They were projected to be one of the worst teams in the Pac-12, and they finished with – a top three finished in the Pac-12. Started the year eight and nine with a loss to Cal State Fullerton, but turned up and finished nineteen and twelve. What do you think about Mark Cronin? Yeah, um, yeah, like you said. I mean, they started the year pretty terribly, and I mean, they had people like get injured like left and right, and um, yeah, I mean, they're they're really under the radar this whole year in the Pac-12 and. I mean, like you said, they finished top three in the Pac-12, and I don't, I don't know what seed they would have been. What do you, what do you think? I, think? I think they would have been one of the last teams. Maybe a play-in game is a good spot. Yeah. So probably an 11 seed play-in game yeah. or a 12 seed. Yeah, yeah. Mark, but um, what'd you say? I think Mike Cronin is a very good coach. Um, he, he before UCLA. He was with Cincinnati. Cincinnati was very, very, very successful with him. They've been in the top ten, top even maybe even top five with Mark Cronin at Cincinnati. Um, and did you know Mark Cronin is the third highest paid coach in college basketball? I did not know that. What do you who think? Was he, who was he behind? Or who's behind Coach Calipari and Coach K? Yeah, I, I would have assumed. I mean. That's kind of surprising, honestly. I mean, like, I feel like there's some coaches that are better than him, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that aren't paid as much. But, um, I mean, hey, he, he wants the money. That's good for him. Mm-hmm. Something, something cool he doesn't want. <laughs> All right, next coach, Steve Forbes, East Tennessee State. Uh, he's had a 75% win rate the past four years. He's He's com- he's been competitive with a lot of high majors. Beat LSU at home this year. Something, yeah, in LSU this year. Something a lot of teams can't even do. 
when going to LSU. He went he won thirty games this year and they won the conference tourney. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think ETSU probably would have had an upset um in this year's tournament. Um I believe they upset someone a couple of years ago. Am I mistaken or no? No, I'm not sure. I feel I feel like they upset someone as the 12 seed a couple of years ago, but I honestly have no idea. But I if if the brackets came out, I would have picked ETSU to upset whoever they played. Um some some projected brackets had them playing against Maryland and I could have definitely seen an upset there cuz I mean ETSU is a sneaky team and they have some sneaky like athleticism and I think they're one of the best transition teams in the country. And yeah, I mean, all the credit has to go to Steve Forbes, obviously. I mean, 30, 30 wins this year, that's pretty impressive. And yeah, I mean, sure their conference isn't as good, but I don't I don't really care what conference you're in. Having thirty wins is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I think SOCON is one of the more under the radar conferences. They have a good three to five teams every year. It's really competitive in the SOCON, even though you might not think it. But yes, 30 wins for any team is impressive by itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the SOCONs kind of, they're kind of on the come up, I think. I mean, they ha- like you said, they have like three to five teams good every, like the past couple of years. And I see this continuing in the future. Yeah, me too. All right. Next up, James Jones, the Yale coach. He he's actually been at Yale for 21 years. He started in 1999, which is pretty impressive. Um, in those 21 years, he is 333 and 280, which is a 54% win rate. Um, in the last six years, they've won the conference four times. And in 2015, you might remember. They had an historic upset against Baylor in the first round of the tournament. What are your What are your thoughts on James Jones? Uh, yeah, twenty one years, is pretty long at Yale. Um, Yale was a great team this year. Uh, if they were probably going to win the Ivy League conference, which we were planning on going to, sadly. Um, yeah, but if they lost. Um, they, they were in the bubble conversation for most of the season, but the Ivy League didn't really meet up to its standards this year. But Yale was that team that was always ahead. What do you think? Yeah, like I mean, like you said, the Ivy did not live up to its standards. I remember, I remember Penn was undefeated for the beginning of the year. Yeah, they and, beat Bama. Yeah, I know. Penn had some nice wins, and then Penn collapsed. I think they were the worst team in the Ivy and maybe, like, top bottom three with, like, Cornell and Dartmouth maybe. I have no idea. But, I mean, yeah, I thought I thought the Ivy was going to be a little bit better this year. I mean, Princeton, Princeton had a down year in my opinion. I mean, they're one of the – like, I'd say Princeton, Harvard, and Yale are probably the best three teams in the Ivy. And Princeton didn't really do that much this year. But it was probably going to be Harvard and, and Yale in the finals. Which yeah. we were gonna watch, but like I was hoping to watch it. I know it was it was actually in Harvard this year, like really close to where we're from, and I mean it was gonna be fun to watch, but uh, uh coronavirus, yay! Mm-hmm. Next coach, 
Ron Hunter, Tulane, a fan favorite coach of ours. Previously at Georgia State, uh, 64% win rate in eight years. Um, he's won the conference championship four out of the six times. Got hired by Tulane this year. A team, a very struggling team. Tulane's probably one of the hardest jobs in the American Conference. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, his legacy kind of explains it all. I mean, um, a couple of years ago, they upset they upset someone in Baylor. town. And, Baylor. Yeah, it was Baylor too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hunter. Yeah, and you might remember you might remember Ron Hunter falling out of out of his stool. Greatest moment. And that iconic game, that was a great moment to watch. But, um, yeah, I mean, he deserves the jump, in my opinion. Tulane, I'd say Tulane is in a good conference, but they're not, like, one of the top teams. But, um, yeah, they're like, been in the like, bottom the past yeah. five years. Yeah. Yeah, but like you said, it's, like, it's, it's hard to coach at Tulane. But, um, I mean, he deserves, he deserves a new job. And, I mean, hopefully he can turn around their, um, their organization and become a good team in the American Conference. Yeah, last year, zero conference wins for Tulane. Hunter gets hired. They win four this year. You need those small steps. They even beat a high major conference team in Utah who beat Kentucky. So it's pretty yeah. And Ron Hunter, I think he's the ultimate zone man. When you think zone, you think Jim Boheim. But Ron Hunter has never played a position of man-to-man defense in his career. So – yeah. He's the ultimate zone guy. I don't know about the ultimate zone guy, but he's definitely he's definitely top three in zone coaches in the in the nation. Sure. I think I think Beheim's still the top dog, but Yeah, of course. He's won national championships. So. Oh yeah. All right. Next guy, uh, West Miller, UNC Greensboro coach. Um he's had top three finishes uh, in the Southern Conference in the past four years. He's been the cover, uh, sorry, the bubble conversation for most of the that time. What do you think of UNC Greensboro? Um, they've been a very successful team with their one-two-two zone. Isaiah Miller has definitely spearheaded that program, but West Miller has is a terrific coach, and I expect him to be at Wake Forest sooner or later because his dad has a building named after him. So, yeah. And this this is just another one of those terrific SoCon teams. Yeah, the so the SoCon's underappreciated. Yeah, you said you said they were horrible just like two minutes ago. No, I didn't mean they're horrible, but I meant like the competition level compared to other ones is not as good. I'm yeah. comparing I'm comparing it to high major conferences. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not like. They're not like a bad conference. They're like they're like a somewhat good conference. That's what I was comparing them to. Yeah, but UNC Greensboro. I watched their game this year versus Kansas, and it was neck and neck until Kansas put away the final five minutes. But UNC Greensboro is always one of those competitive mid-major teams that you should look out for. Definitely, yeah. All right, next up, Joe Gallo, Merrimack. In my opinion, this is the Cinderella story of the year. Even though we did not have March Madness, this would have been the Cinderella story. Um, so Merrimack, they moved up to Division One this year in the North Northeastern Conference. Um, they actually won the regular season title in their first year in Division One, but sadly, they are not eligible to make the tournament. 
I mean, even though the tournament's not happening, they wouldn't have been eligible to make it. But they still had to win their tournament, like, conference or championship. Mm-hmm. But I think they probably would have made it if they were eligible. What do you think? Yeah. Um, Joe Gallo and Merrimack, this is, well, like you said, the Cinderella story. I don't. I didn't even think Merrimack was going to be good this year, and they surprised everyone winning the Northeast Conference. Um, although they weren't eligible for March Madness or the NIT, they were they were eligible for the CBI and the CIT, which I think they would have gone deep in if they actually entered. Um, yeah, I got to watch a Merrimack game on ESPN. Um, yeah, they play a good two-three zone, and I was actually pretty impressed watching them. Yeah, I mean, making the jump from Division Two to Division One is very difficult to do, like on its own. And winning a conference, like from a Division Two to One, is like it's almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, Casey Alexander, Belmont. He was the former Lipscomb coach, and he led them to one uh, tournament appearance and one NIT runner-up. And for those of you that don't know, the NIT is kind of like the second tier of March Madness. It's kind of like the lower tier. And um, he went back to his alma mater, and he won a regular season conf- uh, regular season and a conference tournament this year, and they were 28-7 and seven this past year. What do you think of them? Uh, yeah, Belmont, I thought was going to make it past the first round of March Madness this year. They, they looked really good with Casey Alexander. And out of all these coaches on this list, I think Casey Alexander's the one – most deserving of a high major job. Um, at Lipscomb, he, he was a really good coach. Was only there for two years, but one year led them to the March Madness, and the next year, um, NIT runner-up, but and won the conference. I mean, regular season. So yeah, I, he's a great coach. Um, back at his alma mater. Yeah, I mean, Belmont, Belmont, and Lipscomb have been at it for the past couple of years. Um, in their conference. I don't remember what the name they of the They play in different conferences. What? They play in different conferences. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of Liberty. Never mind. I forget what I said. Uh, okay. Next up, Bob Ritchie from Furman. Um, in his four years at Furman, he is 73 and 26, which is a 74% win rate. Um, last year, they beat Villanova in the regular season. And last year, they were – they're in, like, the top 25 for a couple weeks, and they're out of it for a couple weeks. But still, it's a mid-major team making the top 25 in the nation. Um, what do you think of Furman in a heavy Southern Conference? Yeah, um, this is just another one of those Southern Conference teams. Um, they were definitely put on the map after they beat Villanova last year. Would you say that? They, yeah. They gained some national attention, some hype a little bit. And especially with their top 25, maybe top 20 t- ranking last year. But they just couldn't make the tournament last year, couldn't win the conference tourney, which Wolford dominated. Um, yeah. Fletcher McGee was something else. Yeah. He was, he was, he was like a better shooter than Steph Curry was at Davidson. <laughs> I saw a stat. I, I'm serious. It was in like the tournament. He had like, more three-pointers made or something like that. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was crazy. He hit nine threes in that first round game against Seton Hall. Yeah, that was crazy game. All right. Uh, next coach, Craig Smith, Utah State. He's only been there two years, but he's won conference 
tourney both times. Uh, 54 and 15 at Utah State. What do you think about the program going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, Utah State kind of like they got set in stone by the Martin brothers, Cody and Caleb, I think. Nevada. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Um, Samuel. Uh, Samuel, that's right. Yeah, I mean, Utah State's been like – they've been a top team in their conference for the past couple of years, and I think Craig Smith, uh, Craig Smith's definitely there. Um, they definitely beat Florida this past year. Who? They beat Florida. Oh, right yeah. Florida, actually. Yeah, but yeah. Florida was like hyped up. Yeah, I mean, they kind of knocked them down, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they they probably would have made the finals of their conference. Uh, they'd have to go against they'd have to go against Nevada. But um, I think they probably would have made the finals and probably lost to San Diego State. But they beat San Diego State this past year in the finals. In the finals? Yeah. It, oh, it, I thought that was the regulars. I thought that was the regular season. Uh, um. San Diego State beat Utah State twice in the regular season. Utah State won the Adelaide. Oh, I mean, the auto that's right. Bid. That's right. Yeah, they had an automatic bid. You're right. Sorry, I forgot about that. All right, moving on. Uh, next one, Dave Richmond from North Dakota State. Uh, three tournament appearances in the past six years. They've actually won a game in the tournament. Um, he's 121-75 and 75 in his past six years. Um He's a top five conference finish in all six years. What do you think of him? Uh, yeah, I think he's underappreciated, especially in a Summit League. Um, North Dakota State's kind of the team to beat. Maybe South Dakota State with Mike Duom was the team to beat, but mainly North Dakota State's either been the main competition or the team to beat. Yeah, I mean, I remember last year that uh, – Tough game against Duke, first round of the tournament last year. But, I mean, at least they, they made winning, it. I think they were winning the first half, were they? Uh, Yeah, I think it was like a two-point game in the beginning of the first half. And then Duke and their loaded class, they kind of just demolished. But, hey, they put up a good fight. I mean, they're they're like a good team for their conference. And they just had a tough bid. Mm. All right. Uh, next up, Chris Jans, New Mexico State. Only 17 losses in three years. Uh, he's had three conference tourney wins. Uh, they've had close games in uh, high, ma- I guess high majors like Auburn and Kansas. And I remember, yeah, was they it lost, last? Yeah, they lost to Auburn last year. Last year they lost to Auburn, and it was a, I think it was a one-point game. They yeah. missed like a, they missed a buzzer beater to win, and I remember that game. That was a. I very, had New Mexico State winning that game. I did too. I was I was very sad once they lost. But um yeah, I mean they've been dominant from their for their conference the past couple of years and Chris Jans is a very good coach and I think I think he could uh get a high major coaching job in the next couple of years. Maybe Mountain West or Pac twelve even. Yeah, I could see Pac twelve, honestly. Uh, last coach, Anthony Grant Denton, this year's coach of the year. Um Historic season, 29-2 and two this year. They were bound for one seed. What do you think? Yeah, they were definitely bound for one seed. I mean, Anthony Grant was a very good coach this year. And Dayton, they had a, they had a tough loss against Kansas, but I think he kind of turned it around. And I think for the most part, they were going to be in the final four, maybe 
I don't think they would be in the finals based on their experience, but I think they probably could have been a Final Four team. What do you think? Uh, yeah, who, who would have – coming into the college basketball season, who would have thought Anthony Grant would be coach of the year at the end of the season? Did you think Anthony yeah. Grant was going to be coach of the year? No, did not. Okay. I, I don't know who would coach of the year. I certainly didn't have Anthony Grant as one of them, though. No. I mean, Dayton, I don't even I don't even think they were projected to be, like, that good this year, they, honestly. They, they were projected third behind uh, DCU and Davidson. But, yeah. Yeah. Another a mini. After that mini tournament, they were definitely put on the map. Mm, definitely, mini a mini Cinderella story mm-hmm. out of Dayton. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, we're gonna transition back to NBA prospects. We've had multiple uh, declare for the draft in the past couple of days, and we're gonna start with Oneka Ogonkwu, who we talked about earlier, USC big man. He was the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year this year. They averaged about 16 points a game, 8.5 rebounds, 2.7 blocks, which is a pretty impressive stat. Do you think he's a lottery pick this year? Um, yeah. He has a ton of potential. His stats show 16 points, 8.5 rebounds, and nearly three blocks. Uh, he he got to stretch out and shoot the three a little more. But that's a, I think he's a lottery pick. Do you see him as a top 10, or do you think a little way outside? Late lottery. Like yeah. top fifteen, t- ten to fifteen. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, next up, Colorado's McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay are both declaring for the draft. Wright averaged fourteen and a half points, six rebounds, five assists, and Bay averaged fourteen points, nine rebounds, and one point five assists. They're both projected either in the late first or second round. Where do you think they will land? Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I think McKinley Wright's the better guard. In my in my opinion, and I think I think he will be a late first. And with Tyler Bay, I think I see him as an early second rounder. In my opinion, what about you? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Right, I think right will go in the late first round. I think Bay actually, if executives tell him he's he's a second rounder, I think he would go back to Colorado. Really? Yeah. That I, I could I could honestly see that. I mean, Colorado's got a couple. They got a couple guys coming in. So, I mean, yeah. I think he'll definitely – what did you say? Nothing. Never mind. He'll definitely get his stock up if he goes back. That's for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. All right. Next up, LJ Figueroa. I think that's how you said it. Uh, out of St. John's. Do you think his name will even be called this year? No. Uh I think he'll go back for a senior. I think he's just testing the process out, see what executives think about him. But I think he should have done this his sophomore year, which was his breakout year. Um, this year he kind of struggled with a new coach. But senior year, I think I think he'll hear his name called in the second round. And he's from Lawrence, Mass. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he'll go back another year. I mean, like you said, with a new coach, that transition is probably a little bit tough. And I mean, St. John's didn't have as good as a year as they did the year before. And, um, I mean, that could have been from Shamori Ponds probably, but still, I mean, a transition to a new coach is difficult. And I think yeah. he I think he will go back his senior year and get a stock up like Tyler Bay probably will. And next up, Kenyon Martin Jr. Uh, this is an interesting prospect. He's coming out of high school. Played his post-grad year at IMG Academy. Do you think you hear his name called? Um, 
Honestly, I think he might, considering his dad was in the NBA. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's a very versatile player. Um, I'm surprised he's not going to go to college. But, I mean, he probably just wants the money. So, But I could definitely see him getting drafted probably in the second round. But I'm not sure. What do you think? I haven't heard much about him because he, he didn't go to college. Um, yeah, he 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 would hear his name called in the second round. He's he's very talented, but I think he should go to his dad's alma mater for a year, Cincinnati. You know, that'd be nice to see. Yeah, that'd be very nice to see. I mean, Cincinnati has no one coming in, so hey, yeah, maybe. All right, next up, Paul Reed from DePaul, averaged about fifteen points a game, eleven rebounds a game. He's kind of in the mix for uh, late first, early second. Where do you think he's going to go? Um, I think this is one of this, those situations where the NBA combine would help his stock a lot. As of right now, I think he is an early second-round pick. But if there was an NBA combine, I think he'd, be, he'd blossom to a late first-round pick. He's a very talented player. Definitely he's improved from his freshman all the way up to his junior season. Yeah, definitely. I mean – but some guys, the combine helps a lot, and some guys it kind of hurts them. But like you said, in, in Paul Reed's case, I think I think it would actually help him. And I don't know if it would help him that much that he's a late first. I could I I think he'll still be a early second regardless of the combine. But I think he could move up to like one of the top five picks in the late second round. I mean, sorry, early second round, in my opinion. All right, uh, next up. Isaiah Stewart out of Washington, uh, averaged 17 points a game, nine rebounds a game. Right now he's projected a late first. Do you think this is a good fit? Um, this kind of reminds me of Caleb Swanigan's situation a little bit. They, they're the exact same size, 6'9", 260, both of them. Um, Caleb Swanigan had the same exact flaws Isaiah Stewart has coming out of his freshman year. They both can't shoot the three, and they're both not playmakers from the post. Um, I honestly think Stewart will go back or should go back to a sophomore for his sophomore year and really talk up. Yeah. I think scouts would tell him he needs to go back because he has no three point shot and a lack of playmaking ability in the post. And what do you think? What? What do you think about Jaden McDaniels, his like partner? I didn't really hear much about him. I, I know he got demoted to the bench, but, uh, uh, he he'll be ahead of Stewart just because of his potential. He has more potential than Stewart. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that's a good comparison to Swanigan. I mean, like watching Washington, but I didn't I didn't see a lot of Washington games after they collapsed. But like before, when Washington was like on TV, uh, he was like I could see him compared to Swanigan a lot, and I think I think he'll stay in the draft. And I think he will be a late first-round pick. But, I mean, I could definitely see him going back to Washington for another year. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think he's going to put his name in, in the draft still just because he was, he was a hyped guy coming out of high school, top five recruit. So, I think he, he'd want to put his name in the draft. He had high expectations in high school. Yeah, he did. All right, next up, Caleb Wesson, Ohio State. Uh, I kind of saw this coming, honestly. Um, 14 points a game, nine rebounds a game, two assists per game. Right now he's projected a late second round. Do you think he's going to stay or do you think he's going to go back to Ohio State? 
I think he'll stay. Um, I think he's kind of reached his ceiling. So I think he, he kind of have to stay. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think he'll stay as well. I mean, it's been speculated for a long time that he's probably going to leave, and I don't see him coming back. I mean, especially if um, more people decide to transfer to Ohio State. Like, if Patrick Tate goes, uh, goes to Ohio State, Weston's definitely not coming back. Yeah. No chance. He reminds me of Jared Sullinger, Caleb Weston. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they both went to Ohio State, too. Yeah. I, miss, I miss Jared Sullinger. Yeah, I do, too. Former, former Celtic great. Killing it in China. Yeah. I haven't heard much about him recently, but I hope, he, hope he's doing good. Um, next up, Remy Martin, Arizona State. 19 points a game, three rebounds, four assists. Do you think he would get his name called? Yes, I do. I mean, coming into this year, he was kind of going to be the top guy with Lorenzo Dort leaving last year. And, um, I mean, yeah, his, his stats kind of show that he's an aggressive, sto- uh, aggressive scorer and he can pass the ball and he can kind of rebound the ball. But um, I think he'll be a mid-second round, in my opinion. But um, – I wouldn't be surprised if he came back, honestly, and come back for another year, especially if Josh Christopher goes to Arizona State. Um, yeah, I think Remy Martin declaring for the draft surprised me a lot. Um, as you my guys might know, I had Arizona State in my way early top 25, and I thought Remy Martin – that was assuming Remy Martin was staying. He's, he's a lot, in a lot of mock drafts, he's not projected to hear his name called. I think he will maintain his eligibility, go back. And he's going to win Pac-12 the player, Pac-12 player of the year next year if he stays for his senior year. You think so? For sure, 100%. I would tell you that. Okay. Yeah. I, I could definitely see that. I mean, Pac-12 is going to be loaded with a bunch of freshmen next year. And, yeah, I could definitely see that, actually. All right. And the final guy is Zeke Naij. I think that's how you say it. Naij? Naji. Naji, yeah. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Zeke. Um, out of Arizona, uh, he was the Pac-12 co-freshman of the year with Oneka Ogonkwu. Um, he averaged 16 points a game, 8.5 rebounds a game, projected uh, late first or early second. Where do you see him going? This is another one. It's like Paul Reed situation. Um, you kind of need to combine for this. Um, but I think he has a terrific worth ethnic. ethnic. Um, he was a late bloomer coming out of high school, and I think if he stays another year at Arizona, he would be a lottery pick for sure. Yeah, I mean, I agree with him. If he stays, he'll be good because, I mean, Arizona kind of had a couple good loaded people um, from this year, and Nico Mannion and uh, Green. Uh, Josh wasn't Green. It? Josh Green, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Jalen Green, but no, Josh Green. And um, I think Nico Mannion's probably going to declare for the draft, and – I'm not sure about Josh Green, but um, if Zeke if Zeke stays, then I think he'll be one of the top options on Arizona. I mean, there was kind of a three-spearheaded monster last year and those three that I just mentioned. But um, I think if Nico Manning goes to the draft, he'll be the top option if he stays at Arizona another year. Yeah, Zeke's uh, value is going higher and higher, though, especially coming yeah. out of high school. He was, I don't think he was ranked in the top 100 his junior year. Blocking top 50 senior year. Yeah. I like, I like guys like that. It's a little, it's a little comeback story. Yeah. All right. Um, that's all we have for today's episode. Uh, thank you guys for watching.
Yep, thank you, and stay safe out there. Stay safe, man. Hope we see you in the next episode. It's always March. It's always March.